Good evening, church. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. My name is Colin, the pulpit minister here at Central Church of Christ. And this is Dan Spade. He's one of our elders. And here at Central Church of Christ, it's our mission to be God's heart and hands in this community and beyond. If you'd like to learn more about what that means, I want to encourage you to head over to our website at www.churchvictoria.com. This is our Wednesday evening conversation through the law and the prophets where we open up the Old Testament, we move through the narrative and the text, and we see how it impacts us today as the church and how it how that text connects to Jesus. Um, if you're listening Listening to this on the Heart and Heads podcast. I want to thank you so much for joining us. If you're watching this on YouTube, make sure you're subscribed to the channel and you have the bell turned on so you get notified every time we upload a video. And if you're watching this on Facebook, make sure to like and share. That really helps us out. And make sure to comment down below. Um, if this ministry has blessed you or you'd like to partner with us in this ministry, I want, want to encourage you to head over to that website. At the top of the page, we have a donate button that uh, take, will take you to PayPal, and you can partner with us as we seek to teach and preach the gospel. Uh, we're going to pray and get into the lesson. Again, church, thank you so much for joining us. Father okay. in heaven, thank you so much Let's for pray. the time Let's we pray. have uh, to uh, to study Father together. Heaven, so we pray, much. Father, your blessings the upon us as we, we navigate through the text. Help us to find those things that we need to hear and help us, Father, to have the right kind of heart, the right kind of mindset so that we'll apply those things to our life. Be with our audience when whatever situation they find themselves in. We pray, Father, that uh, you will you will be a blessing to them and that this study will be a blessing to them as well. Thank you, Father, for the opportunity. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, we're going to be in Exodus 32. And as uh, Dan has pointed out, we're going to be in Exodus 32, verse 15. As Dan just pointed out before we got started, we've got to finish this today. We've been in this chapter. This is the third week. I told him, I said, you know, we could spend we could spend another year here if we wanted well, to. Well, that's, I think, that's what we're trying to do. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we're going to be in Exodus chapter 32, verse 15. I think we're going to get through the chapter today. I guess we'll see if that, that holds true by the end of it. But before we jump into this, Dan, trying to spend another couple of days in here, um, let me ask you, how how upsetting and how frustrating is it to know what God expects, requires, wants of us, and to watch people who nominally claim to be his do the exact opposite? Oh, you have no idea, you know, how, how much of a struggle it is. You know, I've got a sermon prepared, you know, that, you know, that, uh, that I'm going to do. Uh, at the end of June that, you know, is, is, is based on that very premise because it is because, you know, I, I see so many people that I know that if they're, if they would make better decisions, more spiritual, more godly decisions, they wouldn't be in the, in the quagmire that they find themselves in because they would have never navigated to that place in the first place because a spiritual decision would not have allowed them to do that. So yeah, it's very frustrating. You know, of course, part of it is I'm more mature. I'm older. I've got. I've been around the block. I know what works. I know what doesn't work. Mm. And to see people making mistakes that I know you should not make, and then be in the position I'm in, you know that that if you come to me, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you this is a bad idea. Let me tell you why. Because I've been there before. I made this mistake when I was young, and it didn't work then. It doesn't work now. And then to watch them go go out of the room and 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 do exactly the thing I told them not to do. I I sat with a couple one time, and uh, and it was a it was a a, a a counseling session, and and I told them some things to do, told them some things I wanted to do the next time, and I went over to their house the next day, and I'm sitting in their house, and and uh, and I'm listening to them, tell me the things they did during the week that were exactly the opposite of what. 
of what I what I told him to do. And I said, can I ask you something? What am I doing here? Why am I here? You don't want to listen to me anyway. You know, I talk. It's like I'm talking to the wall. And and so, yeah, it gets really frustrating because you know what's going to happen. That couple's not together anymore. And one of them's dead. You know, I mean, uh, and and they were they were young. They, I mean, they were they, you know, that uh, they would have. They, I don't know how things would have changed any bit, but I know that they they uh, they ended up splitting up. And I know that's not how God operates. So I know if they would have done the things that God tells them to do, right, yeah, that probably wouldn't have happened. Well, the, and the Word tells us, you know, we have everything in the Word we need for life and godliness. That's right. The, the Word is good for rebuking and changing and for and teaching molding, and correcting, teaching, training correcting. and righteousness. Yep. Right. Second Timothy chapter three verse sixteen. So I mean, we know we have everything we need for that. We also know that that one of the themes throughout Scripture is that God is a God of peace and a God of, of calm and, and fights against chaos, right? So he's constantly ordering chaos. We saw that, you know, in, in our class on Genesis 1 way back when, I talked about how this is our yeah. God ordering chaos, right? Yeah. Over the taking the chaotic, dark, evil waters, that chaos and ordering it. Um, well, he's got a peace. And he's a yeah. God of, of, of serenity. Absolutely. And you so, know, we, so we know when people lack that in their lives, it's because, because they're, they're, not, God in their life. they're not pursuing this. It doesn't make any difference what you say. Because right. people will say, "Oh, I love Jesus," and and you'll see them in a the middle of chaos praying, you know, and you know, and and then then the next day you see them, the chaos is still there because they're still doing the stuff that they were doing before. Mm. Nothing's changed. Mm. Yeah. Things have to change. You can't say one thing and do another. God expects us our our walk and our talk to be the same. Do you think? Do you think that? And and this is something that the word confirms. There's really only two types of wisdom. Mm -hmm. There's wisdom we receive from the Father. <laughs> There's his direction and guidance, and then there's doctrines of demons, as mm -hmm. the word calls it, right? It's it's evil, chaotic, just bad stuff, mm -hmm. right? Do you think the problem is that we fail to to differentiate between the two, or do you think we it's just apathy and we no, don't care? No, I think it, I think it's easier to listen to the to the message of demons. Mm -hmm. It's easier to do, more fun. Mm -hmm. In many instances, people have find it's more fun to do that. So I'm going to, oh, I'll just shackle with my girlfriend. It's no big deal. It's no big deal. I'll just, hey, well, I'll steal this 10 bucks. Nobody will know. I saw that guy drop it, but I'll just take it because well, his loss is my gain. And then they use the word of God to kind of justify Absolutely. their behavior. Absolutely. See, God wanted me to have this $10 and knew he didn't need it. So it fell out of his pocket. And so God wanted me to have it. So I, you know, now yeah, it's mine. Yeah, because God's in control of all yeah. things. So yeah. God made this happen. You know, and, and God knows I really love this girl or I love this guy. And, and I'm, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go against scripture. And I'm going to just we'll shack up together. We don't make any difference that that uh, that uh, uh, what God says. Mm. Well, but you don't understand, guys. I mean, you know, when we try to justify our mind, you don't understand. This is what's happening with these people. You know, we need a God. Okay, you know, let's just make one. We'll, we'll make a God. Yeah, this God on this mountain is scary. Yeah, I need someone. So like one that's not so scary. No, and that's so scary. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's not so scary. Which is my God. My God is not so scary because He doesn't make demands on me that I don't want to do. Not that I can do. I don't uh, want to do. Okay. There's a difference between things that God demands that I can't do. That God doesn't do that. God gives us the help we need. He gives us the Holy Spirit. He says when we're baptized into Christ, He gives me the gift of the Holy Spirit. Comes with all this baggage. He comes with all these. Well, and let's and let's differentiate that, right? So in the New Covenant, so you're 100 percent right. 
he gives us situations that we have to turn and deal with with him on. Yeah. In the old covenant, he actually said, I gave you laws that you couldn't follow. Yeah. So that you would know that you need me. Yeah. Right. And then, of course, Paul says in Galatians, you know, the, the law was a tutor leading us to Christ. So sorry, mm -hmm. I just want to insert that in yeah. there. But yeah, absolutely. I mean, I mean and we, then we figure out, well, I'll create my own God. I'll throw my gold in the fire and out jump this calf. And it'll be the calf of, you know, uh, a calf. Of, I, I'm going to do what I want to do because I want to do it because it's more fun this way. Well, and let's let's get into it because we're going to hear Aaron say that exact thing. Okay. okay. So in, in Exodus uh, 32, 15, Moses turned and went down the mountain. So God has said, I'm going to destroy these people. Moses said, no, no, no. Don't yeah. do that. Don't do that. He and God interceded. Relents. God relents. And God relents, mm -hmm. right? Tell me again, God, God can't change his mind. Yeah. All right. Moses turned and went down the mountain with the two tablets of the covenant law in his hands. They were inscribed on both sides, front and back. These were the tablets that God wrote on. Yes. So these are divinely inscribed tablets. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right. Uh, the tablets were the work of God, just in case we didn't get that. The writing was the writing of God. These tablets are kind of important. Yeah. Engraved on the tablets. When Joshua heard the noise of the people shouting, he said to Moses, and I love Joshua for this, um, there's the sound of war in the camp. Right? So evidently Moses came down to where Joshua was because Joshua wasn't with him because God had already told Moses what was going on. Joshua right. didn't know. So in, in, in church, this is I said this in a sermon not too long ago, right? My presumption is always that, that the people are doing the right thing. People are doing the right thing unless 100% proven otherwise, mm -hmm. right? And then we, why do we do that? We do that so we are betting on our brothers and sisters. So so it's it's so easy. I find it so easy for the enemy to come in and say, "What are they doing?" You know, without any type of evidence, we get into this into this process of just blaming brothers and sisters or assuming brothers and sisters are doing the wrong thing. Oh, they're talking about me. And you don't know that for sure. No. You see what I'm saying? So you got to be really careful. So I love Joshua's response here. There's there must be war in the camp. That's why the camp is 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 doing this. And Moses replied. It is not the sound of victory. It is not the sound of defeat. It is the sound of singing that I hear. Mm -hmm. mm. When Moses approached the camp and saw in verse 19, the calf and the dancing, his anger burned. And he threw those tablets out of his hand, breaking them to pieces at the foot of the mountain. I, had, I heard a preacher say one time, have you have you ever had the minister or, the, or an elder so mad at you that he took the Bible and tore it in half? <laughs> That's... It's essentially, what threw it at you. Threw it at you. it's essentially what Moses did here. Um, and he took the calf the people had made and he burned it in the fire. Then he ground it to powder, powder, scattered it on the water and make the Israelites drink it. I heard another preacher say he was so mad that he, he introduced Tang. <laughs> the first the first version of Tang. Um, I mean, could you imagine for a second Moses comes down there's all this debauchery and foolishness going on, and he and he grips this golden calf from its statue. He throws it in the fire. He burns it. I mean, now gold is a pretty pretty soft metal. I'm not I'm not a metallurgist or, or a welder or anything, so I don't know how fast how fast can that metal melt in the fire. I don't know. I have no idea. I mean, so I mean, what, are we talking about a process of a couple of minutes? Are we talking about a process of a couple of hours? I mean, imagine it would depend on how hot the fire is. I don't, I'm not sure what the melting point of gold is, but this is a process. It takes a little bit of time. You're mm -hmm. not, it's not like that. 
So what are the people thinking when Moses? Comes I was just down thinking that. What are they thinking? What What are they thinking when he when Moses just come off the mountain? They said they don't know what's happened to him. You know, he may be dead for all they know. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And, and now he here he is screaming and hollering at him, throwing rocks at him, throwing his tablets at him, and he and they're and now he's got their their god and he's put it thrown it back in the fire and burned it up and and now he's going now he's grinding it up and throwing it on the water. You know what it reminds me of. It reminds me of when me and my wife go into our bedroom and we shut the door behind us, right? Because we want to talk and we we want the kids to stay out. And the kids, it's like when we close that door, sometimes it's like the kids, like, forget we even exist. We went into our bed. We cease to exist. Lose their minds. They can't, we can't, surely mom and dad can't hear us as they're (laughs) going absolutely nuts in the living room. And then we've got, you know, we've got a camera in our living room so we can just open an app and look. Look at what's going on in our living room at any point. And so I've actually sat there where I'm, I've got a little desk in our bedroom and, I, and I, I do work in there sometimes. And I'll set my tablet up and I'll turn that camera on and I'll just turn the sound off because I, I can hear them. They're right there. So I'll just turn the sound off and I'll leave my tablet here as I'm working on stuff and I'll glance over at it every once in a while. And I'll watch them. And it's like, it's like, I don't even exist. Like they, like I see that must be what's going on. And then I'll walk in there because they're doing something wrong and I'll stand behind them. I'll stand behind the couch. They're sitting on the couch and I'll stand there and I'll just stare at them like this until they finally look up and see me. The look of horror and shock on their face. I mean, that I, to a certain extent, that must be what's going on here with these people. That's what I figure. That that must be what's going on, right? So he said to Aaron, right? It's like I'm looking at my, my oldest, Scott, and I'm looking at him and I say to him, what are you thinking? What did these people do to you? <laughs> That you led them into such great sin. Because it's so true. Mm-hmm. I left you in charge. Has that ever happened where you've left somebody in charge and you expected them to be doing the right thing and then you walked off and you came back and you found them? You know, I, I, I'm sure it happened with one of my boys. I'm sure, you know, as, as they got older, I'm sure. I did, but I don't remember it as specific. I don't Have you ever seen it happen in the church? Oh, yeah. Where you put somebody in charge of like a ministry or something mm-hmm. and then it just. Yeah. Because they, they're not ready or they mm-hmm. are. They're not uh, they're not focused enough or whatever it is. You know, you think they are. You think they're mature enough and they and they they're just not. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and it blows up in your face. You know, it, uh, it, it what happens usually is the ministry dies mm-hmm. is what happens. It doesn't usually blow up. Uh because a ministry, you know, I mean, you take whatever ministry you want, you know, and if you uh, if, if you do it the right way and you learn how to do it the right way, it'll flourish. But if you don't, you know, most of the time the ministry will just die. Right. It'll just go away. Right. And and those people, will, you know, uh, you know, for, for whatever reason. But, yeah, and some, sometimes because leadership that you put in place, you know, they're not they're not near ready to do anything like that. So, you know. Aaron wasn't ready, you know. Obviously, wasn't ready. Look at look at his look at what his response is. What he's telling him. Go ahead, go ahead, brother. 22. He said, "Do not be angry, my lord." Aaron answered, "You know the, the, how prone these people are to evil. They said to me, make us gods who will go up before us. As for this fellow Moses who brought us up out of Egypt, we don't know what has happened to him. So I told them, what, whoever has any gold jewelry, take it all. They gave me the gold and I threw it in the fire, and out came this calf. Come on, <laughs> this is like a five-year-old." explaining to Moses. R- really? I mean, this is Adam and Eve. This is Adam and Eve. This is Adam and Eve's response. Well, you know, the snake. Adam, <laughs> that well, that woman. Yeah. That woman. Yeah. You know, Moses looking at the at the debauchery around him. 
and he's mad and he's and he's grinding this thing up. He's going to grind this thing up into powder, throw it on the water, make him drink it, you know. And and it and and he's looking at Aaron, his brother, Aaron. Can, can you imagine that conversation? I, that's and that's what I picture. I literally picture Moses grinding this up, looking at him, going, "What are you thinking?" As he grinds it, you know. <laughs> well, you know these people. Yeah, they're probably they already evil. Well, well uh, you know, it's yeah. their fault. <laughs> it's their fault. Oh. <laughs> so, so the excuse is, I threw it in. I threw this gold into the fire, and out, and came, it, this and out came this calf. It just showed up. Yeah. I mean, it just miraculously. I mean, we've seen it all must, these miraculous. It must things. be a god. It must be a god. Right? It has to be a god. It must be. Yep. Moses saw that the people in twenty-five were running wild. Because I'm picturing this conversation now, and all these people are running around him, screaming. You yeah. Know? Oh my gosh. I, I uh, think I think that Moses coming. And remember, there's like two million people here. This yeah. is like the city of San Antonio, running wild. All right. And Moses comes down off the mountain. They're all over the place. It's, I mean, it's, it's a sea of bodies. Okay, a sea of bodies. And uh, and Moses comes off that off this thing, and and he is. You know, of course, this mountain's been rumbling and shaking, and now they got this God in there. They're they're louder than the mountain is, and so so now Moses come down and he comes straight to Aaron and he throws these tablets and blows them up, and he's screaming at Aaron, and Aaron is is trying to justify himself, and now and now the the most of the people don't even know that this is going on. Probably when it, when did when does it dawn on them that we're in trouble? Because he's not talking to the people. He he's talking, you know, he's gonna grind this thing up and make them drink it, but he's not talking to them. At the, he's talking to Aaron. And it, and he says, he said, uh, Moses saw the people running wild. See, they're not listening. Damn. And that Aaron had let them get out of control and so became a laughing stock to their enemies. Okay, so you know, they Moses is thinking, what are the people around us thinking? See, people in the church that act like fools, they don't care what everybody else thinks. What everybody else doing the same thing. You know, but these people, God, I could preach on this. These people, Brother Glenn just did. Yeah, these people are are they are they have been singled out by God to be a light and a beacon that draws people to God, and here they are acting worse than the people around them. Can you imagine how God feels when people in the church do this? That they are acting worse than the people are there. Yeah. The people in the world aren't, don't know any better. Okay, we're supposed to know better. Yeah. You shack up with your boyfriend, or you steal money, or you, or you start lying like a snake. You're watching pornography and act like a fool. You know, and yep. and and yep. and it starts to enter. You you can't. You're trying to put the head on every every female waitress in, in the in the place, or you're trying to, or you're trying to, uh, yeah, yeah. You know, because you can't get that out of your mind, and and you're. And then they come to church and see you stand in the pulpit or they see, hear you lead a prayer and they go, wait a minute. Well, that must be what God's like. Everything, everything's okay. That means I'm fine. And it doesn't bring them to God. It keeps them where they are, throws them or, or makes them go away from God. Yep. That's what these people are. That's why he said, you, we've become a laughing stock. Jesus said, whoa, to who causes people to stumble like that. Yeah, it'd be better for them to have a millstone tied around their neck yeah. and throw them into the world. He said it better. It, he said that person who goes back into the into the world they came from for it'd be better if they never heard the truth. So it's going to be better for some people who never heard the truth than it's for some for people like us who go back to where we came from. You know, it's just it's just it. You, you know, know, Brother Glenn talked about bringing shame on the church. Yeah, bringing shame on the Lord, and that's exactly what it is. And and it 
it's difficult to comprehend sometimes because we have a culture that doesn't even understand what shame is anymore. Well, you have, you have, I don't know how many churches in town. I mean, how many, how many actual people that worship on Sunday morning, whatever denomination, whatever, you know, and, and those churches, all of us are full of those people. People, people coming up, coming to church on a Sunday morning and singing, oh, I love Jesus and living like the devil the rest of the week. Now, we're not talking about people who struggle. No, okay? no, 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 no. We're not no. talking about, and let's, and let's be very clear. You know, we're not talking about people who, who struggle and fail. There's a big difference between struggling and failing and living in it. Yeah. Pursuing it. This is people who have decided that God is not important enough to do it the rest of the week. I'll do it on Sunday morning for an hour. Yep. Maybe an hour and 15 minutes, I'll give you that. But don't don't call for me any other time than that. You know, and it be, and the church becomes a laughingstock. Church becomes non-relevant. Becomes non-relevant. Yep. To people in the world, because because the church itself has become not, it is it allowed itself to to lose its relevancy, in because of how it's living its life. You know that's what these people are doing. You know, and he and he says Moses saw the people were running wild, and Aaron had let them get out of control and became a laughingstock to their enemy. So he stood at the entrance of the camp and said, "Whoever is for the Lord, come to me." And all the Levites rallied to him. Then the Lord said to them, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. Each man strap a sword to his side, go back and forth through the camp from one end to the other, each killing his brother and friend and neighbor. Oh my gosh. Is God's punishment swift? And Jesus said in the gospels, I did not come to bring peace. I came to bring sword. Mm -hmm. If you don't love me more than your brother, your sister, your mm -hmm. father, your mother, you're not worthy of being my mm -hmm. disciple. Mm -hmm. it's, a, it's a serious thing. The Lord's judgment is serious. You know, Jesus was has said in two different gospels that I know of, that if you're going to follow me, you got to pick up your, you got to deny yourself, pick up your cross and follow me. That's right. And he said, if you won't do that, then don't claim to be my disciple. Don't come to church on Sunday morning and say, oh, sing, oh, I love Jesus. If you're not willing to, to pick up your cross, deny yourself and follow him. On a on a on a minute by minute basis, he's not willing to take five hours a week. He wants everything. That's right. He wants it all. Mm -hmm. And these people and the and and your whole your whole Christian. Think about it. You live like 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 you do like we live like we do during the week in many instances, and then we go to church on Sunday and sing "Oh, I love Jesus," and your girlfriend's sitting across the across the way there. You know. You know, I just I just read a YouTube thing where a where a girl and I don't know when it was a girl got up in the you know girl and her husband. Uh, I guess the preacher got wind of it was coming and he confessed before the congregation. Oh yeah, yeah. he confessed before the congregation that he'd had a, a, an illicit affair twenty years before and the girl was there. She was a member of the congregation. It started when she was sixteen. You know, and. You know, it, it's normal behavior. When that kind of stuff happens, it, it's, it's like normal behavior, man, for people. Yeah, and it, well, and I know the, the Southern Baptist denomination or whatever they're called, the conference or whatever they're called. Anyway, that group, they've, they've just had a whole issue with this, you know, where they have all these people who've been abusing these pastors and stuff who've been abusing. I mean, it's not on the scale of the Catholic Church with, with their priests, but it's, it's a lot. They have a lot of these pastors who've been abusing people, sexually abusing people and stuff like yeah. that. Church, if you don't think it can happen, it can happen. It can happen. It can ensnare you. Yeah. You know, it, I mean, it, the, we, had the a, we had a, we had a call this was many years ago. We got a call from a, from a church. I don't know, somewhere in North, North Texas. 
and warned us about a, a girl that was, you know, very attractive, very young, going around and, uh, and, and was uh, trying to seduce preachers, young preachers. And she would show up in a town, park it for a while, start going to church and start trying to seduce the preacher. And she had been successful in, in two or three instances and, and destroyed families. And, and uh, you know, I never showed up here, but but, but a, a church called us and, and said, hey, this is the, just give you a heads up. Be aware that this person is around and this person may show up there because they were headed south. We don't know where they show, don't know what happened, but but. Uh, yeah, and this was from somebody that, that knew us and knew, knew people here just to give us a heads up that this is coming. Uh, you know, because it's, you know, I mean, there there's, there is, uh, uh, God's punishment is swift here. It's, it's decisive. And I think, I think many times ours is not. And, you know, how often do we, do we look at something like this though? And, and... I think, like, uh, look, my gut reaction is, no, God, no, don't do that. Mm -hmm. That's not, that's not good. Yeah. You know, and that's, that's my gut reaction. Cause I don't, I don't want, I, I mean, it's, it's wrong to kill people. It's, it's, it's wrong for people to die. It's, it's not, that's not a good thing. Mm -hmm. I've got to squash that and go, you know what? He is God and he is the judge and he gets to decide <laughs> Right. When there are no more chances, you know, we, we, we oftentimes we look at God and this is why I'm preaching on the character of God over the summer, because we have so many misconceptions about God. We look at God and we think, oh, he's just this wonderful person floating up there in the clouds. Who's, mm -hmm. who's just going to give me all the chances in the world. Mm -hmm. That is not true. Yeah. There comes a time where he's done. You, you, we have no idea how many chances Pharaoh had five, didn't he? He had five chances to not harden his heart. Mm -hmm. God already knew he was going to harden his heart. God knew. He said, Pharaoh's going to harden his heart. This is what he's going to do. But God gave him five chances, even though he knew he wasn't going to do it, that he wasn't going to turn. Gave him five chances. Church, we're not all guaranteed five chances. No. Now, I'm not going to sit here and tell you when your chances are up. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Abraham, go look at Abraham. Abraham had, had got tons of chances, yeah. didn't he? So. Yeah. I don't know, and we I'm, have to be very careful too that that we're that we are not uh, overly judgmental, sure, and overly overly uh, antagonistic. But it, when God says it's done, mm, it's done. It's done, and it's yeah. the church's it's responsibility to go. And he's right. Yeah, he's right. Yeah. His judgment's true. His yeah. judgment's just. He's a he's a good, honest, judging, wonderful God, yeah. and he gets to choose when it's over. And for these people, uh, it was over. Well, he said he said for them to go back and forth through the camp from one end to the other, killing his brother and father and friend and neighbor. The Levites did as Moses commanded, and that day about three thousand people died. Well, do you think now he's got their attention? You think now that the whole tribe of Levi is strapped on a sword, and they have they have they have run through the camp, and these people are they're drinking and partying, and you know, and they're in the middle of all kinds of debauchery, and and a Levite walks up and cuts his head off, whacks his arm off. Cuts, sticks, sword through his chest. You think he, they got their attention now? What is uh, what does Jesus say in Matthew eighteen? If you go to your brother and they refuse to repent, and then if you go again and they refuse to repent, and then you take the whole church and they refuse to repent, you're supposed to treat him like a pagan. Yeah. You're supposed to cast him out of the, the assembly. Yeah. In First Corinthians chapter was it five? I think at the end, mm -hmm. end of chapter five, Paul says we're not here to judge the world. But we are here. We are. We should be judging each other. We yeah. should be watching each other. And if you have somebody who's involved in that, in that case, the sin was incest. Yeah. 
it was an incestual relationship mm -hmm. and paul says you need to cast this guy out you know i mean look how many times are you supposed to forgive your brother jesus says 70 times seven right i mean th there is great mercy here and we understand struggling and failing struggling and failing I, look i'll take a brother who struggles and fails a thousand times over a brother who doesn't struggle at all there has to be that struggle you have to resist fight otherwise judgment starts with the church it always starts with the church always peter says if judgment begins here in the house of god and you wonder sometimes does god does god bring about because here he's gonna he's gonna put him in a plague mm -hmm. you know i mean he tell, he said so you know the next day moses said to the people you have committed a great sin and now i will go up to the lord perhaps i can make atonement for your sin does this sound like jesus I mean, we talked about this before. Yeah. That there's a type of Jesus yeah, here. The intercession. And he said, so Moses went back to the Lord and said, oh, what a great sin these people have committed. They have made themselves gods of gold. But now please forgive their sin. But if not, then blot me out of the book you have written. You know, take me. To, to, kill me instead. That's exactly what Jesus does. So, and he said, so Moses went. Hold on. Real, okay. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Real quick. I'm just thinking. Jesus's words from the cross. He's being nailed to the cross. Forgive them, Father, for they yeah. don't know what they Same do. exact what Moses does. And isn't this the same heart that Paul has? Yeah. Oh, how I wish I could be removed so they could be saved. Yeah. yeah. What's the type of love that we should have for one another? Self-sacrificial love. Well, uh, what we talk about. Deny self. Deny self. Self-sacrifice. All right. That's right. And he said, uh, he said, but now please forgive their sin, but if not, then blot me out of the book you have written. The Lord replied to Moses, whoever has sinned against me, I will blot out of my book. Now go. Lead the people to the place I spoke of, and my angel will go before you. However, when the time comes for me to punish, I will punish them for their sin. And the Lord struck the people with a plague because of what they did with the calf Aaron had made. So God said, okay, I'm not going to wipe them all out, but I'm not going in front of you no more. Now I'm going to send my angel. I'm done. He said, because this people, I'm going to wipe out. And he knows He knows what he's going to do. You know, they're going to come to the, they're going to come to that to that that place that that promised land and they are not going to go in that's right they choose not to go in even after what everything that's happened yeah they're still going to choose not to go in this is a huge deal yeah i mean i mean church we need to understand this this is is absolutely huge and it's a pivotal point in the narrative and it's the reason we spent three weeks on it absolutely covenant is now broken now look the story from here god is going to commit himself to restoring the covenant but understand they made a covenant with god and now it is broken they violated the first commandment no question they violated they broke it and many of the rest of them the aaron the high priest did it i mean and he's he's supposed to be the high priest and all these things i mean so this is a catastrophe of catastrophes the covenant is broken god's plan to bring jesus into the world through this people is now threatened and so we're gonna have to do something and look this is why the book of leviticus exists yeah this is why the book of leviticus exists and we're gonna point it out as we get there but understand the covenant is broken and it will not be restored until leviticus chapter 9 exodus 34 god's gonna say fine it, Moses is going to continue to intercede. Exodus 34 is another big chapter. Mm -hmm. um, but yep. ex Moses is going to continue to intercede here. But understand that even though God says in Exodus 34, fine, I'll go with you. I'll restore the covenant. I'll do those things. That doesn't actually happen until Leviticus 9. And of course, then in Leviticus 10, we have Nadab and Abihu. 
So these, there's some grand things going on here, okay? It's not a, Nadab and Abihu are not just this simple, you know, they didn't do things the right way. There's, there's, it's another big deal. It's another grand thing yeah. that occurs. And so we're going to, we're going to dig into all that. I'm excited to do that. But what are some big takeaways from this chapter, chapter, brother? What do you, what do you think are some big things that as, as the church, we need to understand, we need to hear? I think the, I think the, uh, uh, God not abandoning them. He could have completely wiped them out. Sure. The, 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 the knowledge that God can relent, that God can change his mind, uh, that, uh, that, that God's plan through Moses and uh, God's plan was going to be about Jesus, but he gave them a picture of Jesus through Moses. Mm -hmm. He told them, this is, you know, that here, here's what I'm going to bring a, a prophet like this. Right. You know, and, uh, and then, and then the the writers later on carrying that theme, carrying David carries that theme, and diff, different prophets carry that theme of that another prophets coming. Uh, if the if the if the Pharisees and the teachers of the law would have would have been as aware of the Old Testament as they say they were, they would have known that this guy looked just like Moses. Well, I think I think they did. They probably did, but that's, they, I mean, you, I understand that's they, that's my opinion. But, but I, I you know, I mean, when did. you look at this and you see. That uh, that God was with them. We know there there are so many similarities in what's going on here to what happens in the New Testament. Uh, the the uh, the 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 presence of God in people's lives. God is there. God's given us a helper. You know, God's God's uh, saving us through a, a redeemer like Moses. Uh, you know, his name is Jesus. I think there's a lot of takeaways here. I mean, like I said, that's why we spent so much time in this chapter because there's so much stuff here. You know, there's so much going on that that we need to get to. You know, I think the I think the church needs to learn from this text. I think the church better learn from this text. Uh, I think there, we got the church got too many people. I think denominational world has too many people doing too much stuff that doesn't fit God's plan, mm. and then trying to convince everybody that they are. You know, singing you know, "Oh, I Love Jesus" on Sunday. And living like the devil the rest of the time. Jesus said, it's my word that's going to judge you in the last yep, day. Yeah, absolutely. And you don't think this is part of his word? This Old Testament? Sure it is. Yep, absolutely. You know, it's going to take, it's going to take, it's, it, you know, they're, you're going to be able to connect the two together and make them fit. Yeah, he's going to, he's going to judge us with the book. Scary thought, ain't it? We finally got through chapter 32. Hey, we did. We made it through 32. We made it. So that's, that's a good thing. <laughs> that's that's a good thing. Father in heaven, thank you so much for this chapter, <clears throat> for how how it leads us to your son, how it shows your your passion and your power and your compassion and your empathy uh, through this chapter as well. Father, we pray that uh, that we'll be the kind of people that uh, that you can be pleased with and proud of. Father, be patient with us as we strive to to be an influence and a guide into a lost and dying world, a world full of evil. Father, help us not to become the evil that we're trying to combat. Bless us, Father, as we move forward. Thank you so much for this opportunity. And bless those who have been listening. I pray, Father, your hand would be on each one of them. And it's in the name of your Son we pray.